This is episode 78 of the 200 Churches Podcast. As many people point out, uh, you know, every number is a soul, and I absolutely agree with that. Mm -hmm. But there's no greater value to having the souls all clumped together in one place as opposed to the same number of souls grouped in a hundred different places. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, where we're focused on pastors of small churches, 200 churches. Every Wednesday, we release an episode that will lift your spirits, lighten your load, and let you laugh. Today, the guys are joined by Carl Vaders from NewSmallChurch.com. His name is Carl, and he is a small church pastor. Now, here are two guys who lead and pastor in a 200 church, the Rocky and Bullwinkle of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady, and I'm here with my good, long-haired friend, Johnny Craig. Johnny, you did the intro today. You said 78. 78. 78 episodes. It's unbelievable. You know, I'm thinking that we have some new listeners that are wondering, what in the world is a 200 church? Or or do you have 200 churches? I had a guy from uh, India who I was Facebook messaging with the other day. Okay. And, you know, there's a little bit of the cultural difference. And yeah. And, of course, the language barrier. But we were doing okay in English. He was really good English. And yet at the end, when we said goodbye... He said something like, enjoy your 200 churches. And there was a space between 200 200 and churches. So I think there are some (laughs) people that still think that it's actually 200 churches. Oh, no. We don't have 200 churches. So what what does 200 churches mean? Well, it's just 200 churches is just the phrase that we came up with to describe a church of about 200. And then you like the tag, give or take 100 or two. Yeah, now, if you take a hundred or two from a two hundred church, you have zero people. So that that's not really a church per se. But yeah, yeah a two hundred church is a small church. Maybe you run fifteen. Maybe you run one hundred and fifty. Maybe you run three hundred and fifty. No matter what, we would consider you a two hundred church. And so that's what we named the podcast Two Hundred Churches Podcast. And we we are proud pastors of a two hundred church. Actually, absolutely two hundred, yeah. and it's just right around. 200. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Carl Vaders, whom we have on our podcast today, Carl is the author of NewSmallChurch.com. Yes. And he just uses the term small church. And right. inevitably, we use the same term very often. And I, yeah. I, when I write, I'll sprinkle the term, the phrase 200 church. Well, branding is important. Yeah. We want people to know. Now, if Carl started saying 200 church, like 200 church, that'd be helpful. Carl. I know you're listening. Okay, just start doing it. He's not going to do it. It's for our. It's for our benefit. He's in, he's intransigent like that. And every time you do it, just just make it a link back to our website. <laughs> <laughs> so That'll Carl really the Shark out. Vaders is on today, the and Shark and Carl is basically saying today in our podcast episode that you know if there's a billion people in the world that are attending small churches, we can't look down on small churches. Yeah. Exactly. Over a billion served. That'd be like saying, well, you know, McDonald's isn't that culturally important. You know, I thought, too, in 1900, there was no McDonald's. That's true. In 1900, there there were no megachurches. No, I don't think so. In 1900, there were no megachurch sound systems. In 1900, there were no McDonald's within megachurches. Yeah. 
I don't know that there are now. No, I bet there there is somewhere. <laughs> there, there is. You know a, why you're right. There is a mega church. You can, get and, a, you can get a McRib for your Sunday morning. And if you're a new listener, oh. when we say mega church, we don't say it derisively. Derisively? Yes. Wow. We're not filled with derision. Wow. I, I thought you were going to go derogatorily. Or derogatorily. Yeah. No, no. Um, we like the big churches. But, but see, because mega churches, they, they always get, they get all the. The, the 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 attention and yeah. the fame and the praise yeah and that's great because there's a lot of churches and mega churches our point is to affirm inspire and support and encourage small churches yeah particularly small church pastors two hundred churches two hundred church pastors <laughs> now unlike what my son said the other day small small pastors no no no, no. there are no small you pastors. know small pastors well there are small pa- <laughs> we're not going to even get into that no 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 but yeah small churches are important and so Carl makes the point look one billion people worldwide go to small churches that's a huge cultural force right one billion people have chosen this as their means of worshiping Jesus Christ small churches. So don't look down on the small church. We need, as small church pastors, to feel good about ourselves, to say, look, here is the little corner of the world that God has given me to work, and I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to get down, get frustrated. You know, if you've ever read Carl's book, The Grasshopper Myth, he talks about his, his, uh, his trouble thinking about, I need to be a big church pastor instead of uh, just dealing with what God had given him, his small church. And so he got depressed, he got down, all this kind of stuff. We don't want you to do that, okay? And so we have Carl on to remind you, because if there's one person who is rabidly pro small church, it is Carl. That's why we call him the shark, man. He sees the blood in the water, man. He goes for it. (laughs) That's right. This man loves small churches. That's why we have him on the podcast, and that's what we're talking about today. You need to stand proud of the church that God has given you, your 200 church, your small church. And do the work of the kingdom. Here's the picture that's in my mind just now when Carl's coming right on. We're going to bring him right on. But first, here's the picture. The picture is the, is the, the person who is dissing small churches. Mm. And they've got that underwater suit on. And they're, they're under the water by about 10 feet under the surface. And they're in these, one of these shark-proof cages. And there's Carl swimming oh, no. around outside. Oh, no. And he's lurking. And you can hear the, the music. And he starts battering his big shark nose against that cage until the person inside is quaking with fear and commits to no longer diss small churches. That's Carl. That's the power of Carl the Carl shark. The shark I babies. love it. I love so, it. Without any more hesitation, here's our here's our conversation with Carl. We're back again with Carl Vaders for this month of July. Carl, thanks for joining us again this month. Hey, always good to be with you guys. Hey, we are talking about your seventh of your 12 blog posts, your essentials on your site, newsmallchurch.com. And this one actually that you have on here is a, it's a part one of a five-part series called The Astonishing Power of Small Churches. Now, we've been talking kind of, quote-unquote, off-air about some of this. And t- to me, this is really, really exciting because you wrote – and did you write this actually – five part in one week and a Monday through Friday. Do you remember? Yeah, I did. It was, it, it was fairly early into the blog and I, 
I, I wrote a whole bunch just to kind of get the blog populated with okay. stuff. I, I didn't want anybody showing up to a blog that had three articles on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were there at one time, too. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. crazy. We've since found out that you're supposed to put, you know, put, put a bunch of stuff up there before you actually go public with it. But, hey, what did we know? Yeah. We thought the yeah. first blog post should be available to everybody. But you talk about the astonishing power of small churches. And again, we talked last month about the whole mindset, the whole self-esteem and self-image that small churches can sometimes uh they can get a cue from our culture, our our secular culture, but certainly our Christian culture that because they're small, they're they're less than, less than in value less than in opportunity and less than in effectiveness for the kingdom of God. And and if we have you on every month until Jesus comes, I don't think we could ever uh, stop telling pastors that that is absolutely not true, that the size of their church is not the important factor. It is the health of their church that's important. Yeah, unquestionably. And, and part of it is because we have to see uh, I think we have to see bigger and smaller than our own church. By smaller, I mean individual people, each person who is going to spend eternity with us and Jesus in heaven. There, There is no way to quantify the value of that. Hmm. So when we're looking at individuals, we got to see that. And then secondly, we got to see bigger than it, because the church is way bigger than my local congregation or my denomination or whatever. There are by conservative estimates, something like 2 billion people around the world who call Jesus Lord. And as, as is the premise of the, of the piece, 1 billion of those go to a church under 250 people. Hmm. So yep. it's not the 40 people in my church. It's 1 billion people who choose to worship Jesus in a small setting. That's not a trivial, a minor or a thing or something to be, uh, look down upon. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Well, I remember last month, Johnny, you talked. You were talking to um, Carl, and and you said that you know in where you are, Carl. There's a ton of mega churches, but the people in your church choose to be in your church and choose to stay in your church. And I don't know. I think I come from the generation. Well, I do. I come from the church growth generation. Where And I'm one of those pastors that, you know, we saw growth for a while, we saw a lot of growth, and then we saw it slide off, and, you know, I've ridden the hills and, and valleys of, uh, of church growth uh, being the thing that makes you uh, happy or unhappy in ministry. I'm from that generation that still is surprised every time I hear a person say, yeah, I like small churches, I don't really like to, I won't go to a large church. That That still surprises me, but the truth is, most people would feel that way if they were a part of a small church and then had to go to a mega church. They don't really like it. They're not really comfortable because they're they're not connected. They don't feel a part, uh, and it's not an intimate setting. Yeah, and I think especially for the reason that we go to church, it makes sense. You know, there are those who love and who are inspired and who are drawn closer to Jesus in a big room with a lot of people where they can look around and it's visibly obvious that I'm a part of something big. And that's a part of what draws them into the presence of the Lord and into an understanding and a deeper place of faith. And that's great. But for most people, 
what draws them into a deeper relationship with Jesus is a place that is more relational, where it's smaller, where it's not uh, the, 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 the noise level, the, the numbers, the, the structure of it is more built for um, relationship than for uh, spectacle. You know, in, in the grasshopper myth, I talk about the Ikea effect, mm-hmm. and I compare Starbucks with Ikea. And both have their mission, both do what they do well, but I've never once called somebody up and said, um, hey, why don't we uh, go meet at Ikea tomorrow and just uh, hang out and chat for a bit. <laughs> Ikea is not designed for that. I- Ikea is designed to go in and get, you know, furniture that's not made yet and bring it home and and, and hurt yourself all day long trying to build a cheap <laughs> bookcase. That's what Ikea is designed for. But Starbucks is designed to sit for a couple hours and coffee is just the excuse for the relationship. Mm-hmm. They've built their business on that, knowing that that's the case. And so in church, it's the same kind of a thing. This this song I sing is just the excuse and the, excuse is the wrong word, it is the vehicle that helps bring me into a place where I'm thinking beyond myself and I'm thinking about the presence of Christ instead of the kids fighting in the car on the way to church. And that song brings me into that place. And when we break from church, or or as in our church, we intentionally have a five-minute fellowship time in the middle of the service time, that forces me to actually turn to somebody next to me, talk, grab a donut, have a coffee, spend time in fellowship. But if I'm in a room of 5,000 people, uh, I expect to be an audience. People just know that. When I'm in a bigger crowd, I behave differently than when I'm in a smaller room. And we all make those adaptations subconsciously. And we are more relational when there are fewer people in the room, and we are more an audience when there are more people in the room. Right, yeah. And, you know, I don't know that we've ever actually said it this way on the podcast before, but I think the the, the numbers bear out the fact that most American Christians would rather worship in a small church than in a megachurch. I mean, yeah, the, most, the numbers do bear it out, and, and and worldwide even more so. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a, we have a marketplace of churches in this country. Most most people live in urban centers where you could find yourself a larger church. Um, even even in our small town here, there's churches with 700, 800 people that you could go to if you wanted the larger uh, thing. Most uh, most American Christians are choosing in the marketplace of churches a smaller church. I mean, shouldn't yeah. that just right there make small church pastors feel something? Like, why why do you need to focus so much on growth when obviously people want to be small? Like, obviously people yeah. like something about your church this size. Obviously, there's a piece of this that is working for the majority of Christians in this country. Yeah. Well, and not only that, think of how many, when you add them all together, think of how many Christians don't just go to small churches, but think of how many of them go to bad churches. They, they want a small church experience so much that people are willing to put up with bad church experiences in order to have an intimate worship place. So how much more would they get out of it as our small churches become healthier? What would they get, what would they get out of all of their, and there are tons of them, yours included, out of, out of these great and healthy small churches? How much more do they want that? I mean, that's how badly they want an intimate setting for worship, but they're willing to put up with lousy stuff 
a whole bunch of the time. <laughs> and we're hoping to help churches become more healthy. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, Johnny, that's the whole point of it. Johnny, you said you, your questions earlier in my again in my '80s church growth mind. The answer is because more people need Jesus. Sure. And so people need to be uncomfortable in the small churches and open their arms and let more people in and make room in the pew. And it's not about them. It's about the people that aren't there yet. See, but I think that'll start, that'll make plants. You know, it doesn't necessarily make inflated churches. It makes more churches. It makes more communities. You know, uh, that, you know, maybe we need more small churches instead of, like our small church is getting bigger. Maybe our small churches could split like little amoebas. And maybe that's happening already with the multi-site stuff, right, Carl? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, kind of is. naturally yeah. happening. Well, it it also has happened with multiple services be- sure. because they're like, yeah. you know, little separate little churches, True. even though it's the same corporation, um, it, they're multiple services, they're, they're small churches, they're multi-site, they're small churches, because literally in the 60s and 70s and part of the 80s, we just kept building bigger and bigger and bigger rooms so that right. everybody could meet at the same time together. And right. that's not but, happening anymore. Right. And, and I think a big part of our challenge is we are really, we as Americans especially, are really egotistical. Um, well, yeah. We, what? We, what? What? Of course we, we are. Yeah, we're, we're just, yeah, we're just so convinced of our own awesomeness and we, we sometimes we forget that the vast majority of Christians live outside of America and the main growth of the church is happening outside of our borders. Yeah. I mean how many books and blog posts have I read about the decline of the church? The church is not declining. The church in America is. Right. And it, right. that is cause for concern, yes, but the church is not the church. Christianity is today this year by percentage and by raw numbers, the fastest growing religion on earth still. But because it's not happening in the borders of America, we don't think it's happening at all. Now, now we hear, yeah, now where, with, where are your stats for that, Carl? Because we hear it's the Muslims. <laughs> oh, jeez. What's that? We, we hear it's Islam that is faster spreading oh, yeah. than Christianity. Well, it, and, and in America, it probably is growing faster than, than Christianity. But, but you don't think it is worldwide? It's not. And I, yeah, this is the problem with an interview. I didn't, I didn't know this was going to, I didn't know I was going to say, I, I didn't know I would be inspired to say this. And so I don't have the, the, the stats off the, off the top of my head. I did write about it in a blog post somewhere on my site and okay linked we'll to look. another blog post somewhere out there on the internet we'll look for it before we <laughs> before we air this well when we'll carl speaks stats. i believe him okay well, carl. Yeah. <laughs> but we know that not everybody you know would believe him. carl is a like truth teller that's all i'm saying yeah well the, the rest of them will come around i'm gonna make sure of that you, br- you brightened um, my day with that statistic <laughs> I'm, i hope that it's true jeff jeff is always, jeff is like the rain cloud you are a ray of sunshine and jeff is the cloud trying to take it away from I me i can't help it i've <laughs> just got to ask the questions <laughs> thank you eeyore <laughs> So you said uh, you're in your so in your first blog post about the astonishing power of small churches. You said it, one of the reasons is that if billions and billions served, and if billions of people are doing it, how can we say that it is a subpar way to advance the kingdom of God, and that it's through small churches? We can't say that. So 
Right. The second area that you talked about in day two of this uh, blog post was strategic placement. And I, this one you said you talked about, I think, Apple and Microsoft and McDonald's and Starbucks. And, and you said how they only wish that they had little, little franchises dotting the globe like small churches dot the globe. So, so unpack that a little bit about strategic placement with small churches. Yeah, well, you know, the, the numbers, and again, these are fairly conservative numbers, 2 billion Christians in the world, 1 billion of them go to a church under 250 people. Um, so, which, and I know if you're pastoring a church of 50, 250 sounds like a really big church, but statistically that's considered a small church. Yes. Uh, so half, half the Christians in the world go to a small church. And um, the average church in the world is about 40 to 50 people. And if you take out that top half, the average small church in the world is around 20 people. So you've got 1 billion Christians scattered throughout the world in groups averaging, let's say, about 25 people scattered all over the face of the earth, including in the heart of communist China, including in the heart of deeply Muslim nations where they will literally chop off your head if you, are, if you do not declare that you are a Muslim, mm-hmm. uh, including places... Um, in you know in, in deepest darkest uh, you know tribes in Africa where there are still people and you know in, in Papua New Guinea and these kinds of very exotic distant uh, what what you know what some of us in our privilege would call uncivilized places um, and there are people who love Jesus in these tiny little groups all over the world so th- there are there are literally one billion people scattered throughout the world in groups of averaging twenty five to forty. And if any uh, country had that kind of spread, if any company had that kind of spread, if any military organization had that kind of spread, they, they'd look at it and go, well, we've got half the battle won already. We've got everybody in place. All we got to do is pull the trigger on this, and the world is ours. But the church looks at those numbers and goes, oh, the average is only 40 people. We've got to fix this. Hmm. Uh, the, the the smallness is what allows us to fit into all those places. The small churches are in more places around the world than Coca-Cola is. This is not a problem. You know, there, there are places in the world where you, can, where you cannot buy a Coca-Cola, but where there are people meeting and serving Jesus, even if it's illegal. And you say in the second post, poised for greatness and goodness, you said, and I'm just going to read this now, imagine what any country, company, or army would give to have over 1 billion people scattered into every nook and cranny across the face of the earth in groups averaging you know, anywhere from 25 to 100 people. And you wrote, yes, small churches have problems, every church does, but our size isn't one of them. And so I scratched in the margins, so then let's deal with the real problems in small mm-hmm. churches that are the same real problems in large churches that are just the real problems that we that we deal with as people but let's not have this artificial problem that distracts us from the real mission and that artificial problem being well we're small therefore we we've got to fix ourselves we've got to make ourselves bigger right yeah we we've, we've just got a fundamental misunderstanding about the value of of size and it's really even not about the value of size because as many people point out uh you know every number is a soul and i absolutely agree with that Mm -hmm. but there's no 
greater value to having the souls all clumped together in one place as opposed to the same number of souls grouped in a hundred different places. Well, you said earlier that half of the world, half of the Christian population in the world are in small churches and half are in large churches. And I immediately thought, is half of the world's population in urban centers and cities and half out in the in the rural areas? I think more is in yeah, urban centers. More is in urban centers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that... I, I, know, I know the world is moving more towards urban centers. Well, because maybe that's just... Maybe it's just the way things work. Maybe there's not any great spiritual significance to it. It's just how people... It's just sociology and its population and its demographics, and we shouldn't read into really any more than that. Yeah, I think so. I, and, but and, but I also think because obviously I, I you know I pastor a small church in a very heavily populated area, and there are tons of small churches all around me. Even though there are a lot of mega churches here too, I, what I also notice is with the growth of city and suburbs, and with the population density increasing that it actually lowers our, uh, our, the depth of our relationships. People feel lonelier in big cities than they do in small towns. Hmm. I think one of the reasons, you know, one of the big challenges people say is, well, of course you can't have a big church if, you, if you're in a small town. And then I always come back and go, well, I live in Orange County, California, so I don't have that excuse. <laughs> uh, right? I got people everywhere, but the, they are lonelier here than they are in your small town. I sure. guarantee you. because and, and I think that's part of the reason why small churches continue to thrive in big population centers because people want these small groups where they can get to know people in a more family-oriented type of setting. They're looking for intimacy because they don't get it if they're working for a multinational corporation and driving on a freeway and hitting the button for the remote control to go into the garage and never talking to their neighbors. They want relationship. And if they're going to get out of bed and go to church when they can watch church on the Internet, if they're going to get out of bed and go to church is because they want face-to-face with actual people. Yeah, and you're, and again, your whole title for this series, The Astonishing Power of Small Churches, is so important because, uh, again, as pastors, we just we have this thing in our head that if it's small, it's not as powerful. And, and truthfully, to, to kind of take the words of that statement and change them a little bit, the astonishing power in small churches is the exact same astonishing power in large churches. It's the Absolutely. power of Christ. It's the power of the body of Christ, and it's the power of the relationships that God wants to have with us and that we can have with each other. And and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for healthy relationships with God and relationships with each other, uh, and we're looking for healthy small churches. And there we do have problems, but one of the problems isn't our size. And right. we don't want to, we just don't want to focus on that. So you talked about in here, you talked about fanning the flame. You talked about looking ahead. Would you like to put a bow on the package of this series that you wrote, Carl? You know, you're a small church pastor and you're listening to this right now. Uh, I, I want every one of us to know we are a part of the biggest movement the world has ever known and will ever know. Not only are there a billion people around the world who worship Jesus in small churches, there are another billion of our friends and partners in ministry who worship Jesus in big churches. Now imagine 
if instead of the big ones looking down on the small ones and the small ones being jealous of the big ones, imagine if everybody were to say, where you are is where God has placed you and where I am is where God has placed me. And what if we worked together? What if the big churches learned about relational things from the small churches and helped uh, when we didn't have some of our administrative and structural things together? And what if small churches got over the jealousy and territorialism and said, let's have, let's send a, a group of our married folks to the big, uh, big church marriage seminar they're doing on Thursday and Friday night, and I'm not going to worry about them staying at that church. What if we actually network together, work together as the entire body of Christ, instead of everybody defending their little territory? Mm -hmm. uh, I, right now, the way Jesus has designed his church, the only thing stopping us from the greatest revival the world has ever seen is us. Because God has put this thing together in an extraordinary way, ready for massive impact, and we just need to say yes to what Jesus is doing. Absolutely, Carl. Absolutely. And I think that that is just, that's an encouraging word to all of our listeners. Don't be jealous. Don't be resentful. If, if you're listening and you're at a bigger church, and I know we have some listeners who, who listen from larger churches, how can you partner with these smaller churches? How can you uh, make those connections and reach out to those smaller churches so that we can see the kingdom grow? And not our congregations and not our budgets, but the kingdom of God. And that's really, that's really what we're all about. That's the Great Commission. So that's a great word to end this on, Carl. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. You're welcome, guys. See you next month. I love talking to Carl. Can I just say that? The shark. I always love talking to Carl. It's such a great time. I tell you what, we, uh, we've got some new listeners, okay? And I'd love to give them a by-name shout-out, which we do uh, from time to time, but they've not left us any reviews it, on it's iTunes. It's good to have you listening, John. <laughs> and Candace. You know, there's you know there's like three new John, you know guys named John. Why why you gotta be mean to guys named John? That's no, a I'm not mean. No, I'm just saying. There's a, obviously a good. It's good to have you on. Have have you listening, Pastor Smith? There you go. Now we're talking. No, <laughs> Re so, Reverend Jones. You know, Jeff just had a Jeff just had an article up on pastors.com that usually gets us a few new listeners. So maybe you're listening to this. This is your first podcast because you saw Jeff on pastors.com. We are so happy to have you listening. Well, what we really are, are asking our listeners to do is just go to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. And Jeff, they can actually get to iTunes from the 200 Churches website. Yeah, right from our homepage, there's an iTunes uh, little button there. Just click on it, and it will open up your iTunes on your computer, and it will pull up in the iTunes store our podcast. So then you just click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, yeah. and you could leave us a, a star rating from one to five stars. And if you you know heard mostly Johnny on the podcast, you're it's probably, probably like gonna a two leave, star, yeah, a one or a one, a one or a two <laughs> a one, star, a one star, <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, just leave us an honest rating, yeah. And and if you and if you could put a review in there, so that as other people look at that, they can get an idea. Don't of, be honest in the review. No, just say the rating. Really nice you can be things. honest, but the review should be nice. Yeah. It's like a one star, but it says great podcast. <laughs> this was excellent. Now, if you're rolling your eyes. And thinking, man, are they really asking for this again? First of all, we don't ask that much. Come on, quit rolling your eyes. But then the second thing is, well, you just go do it, and then it's not so annoying. And you can only you know? do it once. Yeah. So if, if you've you go, done it, yeah, you we're not talking it to you. 
Yeah, you can't leave another rating because your iTunes will say, oh, no, you've already left a rating. Eh-eh. Have you tried to leave us another rating? <laughs> no. No. I would, I would never do that. That's amazing. I, I've got the first rating on there, and I praised you, John. Thank you. I appreciate that. My well, dear friend. The point of the rating and review is not just so that our heads get bigger and our egos swell, but it actually makes us more... Uh, searchable on iTunes. It kind of raises our rank so that more pastors and leaders can find us and find this encouragement that hopefully you've gotten from the podcast. Yeah, and that's our whole purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Our whole purpose is to encourage pastors of small churches. Mm-hmm. That is the only reason. It is our singular mission to encourage pastors of small churches. We've been doing it for 78 episodes, and we hope that uh, you've appreciated it and that you can show that appreciation with a little rating and review. Very good. Hey, we have a Facebook page too. I'm going to plug it so fast. Okay. They can just go and join it, right? Yeah, there's a Facebook group. So there you we we have the Facebook page. I you think like they need it to be invited. Get updates. They have to, I think they can ask for an invitation. Oh, they can. Yeah. Okay. So go find us and uh, ask for an invitation. We will accept you. We're, we're there S- are no standards. We're SEO optimized and HTML centered. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Shout out to Chad Payne for knowing what he's yes, doing Chad Payne. with our Facebook page. The Chadster. In what? fact, you know what? Chad, you're probably listening to this before I actually talk to you. We got to talk, man. We got to get Chad on the podcast. We should definitely have Chad on the podcast. People need to hear his yes. voice. That's not going to be for a couple weeks because we're already stacked up. But we're going to get Chad because Chad offered to help us with our yeah. sh- uh, shareable Facebook page. Never stop with an SH. I, I know. I know. <laughs> that was bad. With our, sh- uh, ma. With our shark. Shark. Carl the shark made it. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, Chad Payne, thank you. We are going to have you on soon. Yes. Uh, yeah, so find us on Facebook. The rating review on iTunes. Seriously, that is so helpful. We love you guys. Uh, we love being able to do this podcast for you. Thank you so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.